And good evening to you, Mike Douglas, with you here on Into the Night with Pastor Mike on this third day of December 2020. How in the world did we get into December already? Just absolutely amazing to me. Well, thank you for joining us, especially those of you joining us live in this 22nd hour of December 3rd. And uh, greetings to you who join us on demand. During the week, just a reminder that uh, during the week, you can email your responses, your questions, your encouragement, or otherwise to pastormike209 at gmail.com. That's pastormike209 at gmail.com. And uh, tonight, because of uh, current events, we're going to be addressing Governor Newsom's uh, new restrictions that he announced today for all of California. We'll be addressing that first. And second, uh, something I've, I've noticed and I want to weigh in on, and that is uh, the abuse of a, a certain passage of Scripture that focuses on one verse, Acts 2.45, in the context of uh, governance and how we do that. And I'll be addressing that uh, a little bit later on in the uh, in the program tonight. want to get uh, right to it, though, with uh, Governor Newsom. How was your Thanksgiving, by the way? Uh, the governmental warnings and restrictions notwithstanding. I, I hope you enjoyed it and, and you celebrated a time to thank God for uh, what we have and uh, the blessings that he has given us with or without government interference. All right, let's go to what happened today. Uh, Governor Gavin Newsom announced uh, some some new restrictions coming down the pike, and I know that all of you are, are so happy to hear that. I've, I've got my uh, fresh cup of coffee here, so I'm ready. I'm, I'm steeled for this. Uh, first of all, it's coming. Yes, it is. That's what the governor tells us. The surge on top of the surge, as he quotes a uh, well-known Dr. Fauci. Let's listen to what the governor had to say about that today. The effects of Thanksgiving, uh, they have not yet been felt. They will be felt in a number of weeks. Dr. Fauci, I think, said it best. He says we should anticipate a surge on top of a surge. How do we know that? Uh, Where's all the science that we keep talking about at governmental levels that would uh, lead us to believe that? You see, it's a pattern. And thinking people watch for patterns. And one of the patterns that we see is a pattern of instilling fear in uh, in people. As uh, And usually the reason for doing that is to create um, a control option, a way to uh, control people by keeping them uh, afraid, unsettled, off balance. Oh, Pastor Mike, that's just conspiracy theory. No, no, thinking people can see through all that. And so uh, in the process, we're probably going to be hitting the brakes. Well, what do, what do we mean by that? The bottom line is if we don't act now, our hospital system will be overwhelmed. If we don't act now, we'll continue to see a death rate climb, more lives lost. And that's why today uh, we are pursuant to the blueprint we put out some 14 or so weeks ago, uh, pulling that emergency break. We've done it sequentially over the course of the last number of weeks, but we're doing it in a much more broad 
and much more comprehensive way today. We are announcing uh, and introducing a regional stay-at-home order in the state of California, fundamentally predicated on the need to stop gathering with people outside of your household, to do what you can to keep most of your activities outside, and of course, always uh, most important non-pharmaceutical intervention, that is wear face coverings, wear a mask. Here's what we are introducing today. Regions where the ICU capacity is falling below 15%, uh, we are now mandating that we are implementing a stay-at-home order for three weeks. Three weeks. Hmm. Let me get out my calendar here and uh, look at three weeks. Hmm. Wow, that... uh... Now, this is not something that necessarily goes uh, into effect today. Uh, this is for uh, those regions, and which is most of California, uh, who may fall be, uh, below that 15% uh, ICU uh, capacity. And that will trigger three weeks of restrictions. All right. Now, I've got, uh, let, let me open my calendar here. And uh, let's see, today is December 3rd. One, two, three. One, two. Do you know what three weeks from today is? Christmas Eve, December 24th. Isn't that interesting? And I assume it's the science that has given our illustrious governor that three-week period there. It ends right there at Christmas. Isn't that fascinating. What does that mean? What does this order mean? Well, the governor went on to talk about that. What does the stay-at-home order mean? What is, uh, what is on that list in terms of augmentation and new protocols and new guidelines? Take a look uh, here that we're looking temporary closure when the region, when the region is placed in the stay-at-home uh, category that bars, wineries, personal services, uh, hair salons, and the like will be temporarily closed for that three-week period. Uh, those sectors that will remain open uh, in this new criteria include schools, uh, bars closed, schools opened that have received waivers with the appropriate oversight and safety protocols uh, that we have advanced and we demand in terms of standards. Critical infrastructure broadly defined on the previous guidances we have put out. Retail uh, occupancy at 20% capacity. What we want to avoid is concentrating just in large box retail, uh, too much of concentrated retail activity that actually would induce more mixing, not less. Thus, the decision by our health professionals and our advisors, uh, which are ample. We've been reaching out across the spectrum uh, for a number of days now to get insight uh, and valuable consideration uh, that we've put into play, made that determination on retail. And restaurants uh, be open, continue to be open for takeout and delivery. I'm, I'm wondering uh, how many of those uh, ample advisors that were consulted are owners of small businesses. It would be interesting to know. I don't know who they are, uh, but it would be interesting to know how many of them are in retail, how many of them especially are in small businesses. So uh, retail, uh, he, he talked about uh, the, the big box uh, being example, the big box stores, 
down to 20%. So that that's good. Yeah, right before Christmas, uh, we're, we're going to hold retail down to, to 20% to make sure that California is in the best economic position possible uh, to enter year 2021. Uh, did you notice the word demand uh, that he used there? We demand. We demand. And now this is the governor that, that told us to wear our masks and and not not to gather with people who aren't with our family. And and somebody shot a picture of him at the French Laundry restaurant you know, without the mask and with. Well, anyway, that 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 just speaks to the hypocrisy that's that's at work here. And uh, normally I don't get heavily political here, but this is not heavily political. This is about thinking. This is about rights as our citizens, and this is about government overreach. And we need to think about that. Now, you don't agree with me, but at least you have to start thinking about it. Speaking of thinking about these things, I'm going to bring this up right now. During the governor's presentation today, uh, he showed two slides. Now, one of the slides was titled Mental Health is Physical Health. Well, we, we know that mental health is, is closely related to physical health, and it can also go vice versa. Uh, it's important to stay active and connected during these times, although they're doing the best to disconnect us. Here it says we should remain connected. So there's, you know, there, there are these non sequiturs all over the place. Keep connected with loved ones virtually. Oh, I see. I, I, I've got it. So for best mental health, don't physically be with your loved ones. Be with them virtually. I see. I got it. All right. So, and, and the other admonition on this uh, slide is to get outdoors. Here, here's the recommendations. Go to a park. Go to a beach. Go on a hike. Take a hike. Well, anyway, go on a bike ride. Go fishing. Do yoga and meditate. All right, it's very interesting. They focus on yoga and meditation. And uh, well, anyway, take your dog on a walk. I'm sure all the dogs are in favor. There's probably a dog lobby in Sacramento that got that one put in there. Maybe some campaign contributions or something helped with that. Take your dog on a walk. Do an outdoor fitness class. Go on a run. With your partner, go skiing, snowboarding, and sledding. Okay, but the, the, the other slide here is all non-essential travel is temporarily restricted statewide. Okay, uh, help me with this. If we're to go to a park, go to a beach, go on a hike, go on a bike ride, go fishing, do yoga, meditate, take your dog on a walk, uh, go do an outdoor fitness class, go on a run with your partner, go skiing, snowboarding, and sledding, especially the last one. How do we square that with the slide here from him that says all non-essential travel is temporarily restricted statewide? I give up. 
I seriously, are we thinking when we hear this? Do we have our thinking? Remember that? Do you have your thinking caps on? All right. Well, do you know that the final surge is is almost upon us, which will probably trigger this three-week highly invasive restriction, which just happens to correspond to ending in or around Christmas time. Let's find out about uh, the governor's message to us about this surge. We will get through this. This is the final surge. We have a light at the end of the tunnel with these vaccines, but we need to take seriously this moment. This is the most challenging moment since the beginning of this pandemic. This is the time if there was ever any doubt to put aside your doubt, to put aside your skepticism, to put aside your cynicism, to put aside your ideology, to put aside any consideration except this. Lives are in the balance. Lives will be lost unless we do more than we've ever done. We're being asked, we're being called to do everything in our power to make kind of tough decisions that are required at this moment to get through the next number of weeks, to get through the next few months, and we will enjoy another side of this. We will be resilient and we will recover as a state and all of us will be rewarded by knowing we saved lives of loved ones, we saved lives of strangers, and we did our best to mitigate the spread of this virus, to diminish the acute acute surge that we're currently experiencing and bending that curve, buying us the time to vaccine. And that's what we're all being called to do. Uh, let me let me get out my California flag here. I'm going to stand up and wave my my California flag with, with the bear on it. That just uh, was so inspirational. Uh, notice. Some of the words that he used, doubt, skepticism, cynicism, ideologies, any consideration. So let, let, let me translate for you in, in, into real thinking person English what he was saying there with these words. And this is, this is my lens. I, I freely admit this is the way I view it. Don't you dare doubt me. I'm the governor. Don't you dare have any skepticism. Don't be cynical. So don't doubt. Don't have any skepticism. Don't question me. Eliminate any cynicism that might be on your mind and ideologies. Ideologies. That's a buzzword that uh, has has been nuanced over the past couple of years. Ideologies means take your Christian ethics and shove it. That's basically what that means, your ideologies. You can't have ideologies. I'm the governor. So also in that message, implicit in that message is, see, if we don't do what he's asking us to, If we express doubt or if we express skepticism or if we express cynicism, 
or if we dare to have ideologies, we're responsible for lives being lost. Not, not, not government policy. No, 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 no. Not, not the hypocrisy of telling us to wear masks when, when he doesn't. Not the hypocrisy of, of don't go and gather with people who aren't part of your own family. Uh, not, not the hypocrisy when, when he does that. That has nothing to do with it. But we're the ones that are responsible for all these potential deaths that he's warning about. I'm sorry. I, I've had it with this. <laughs> you know, this, 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 any thinking person. And, you know, there are a lot of lemmings in California. You know what lemmings do? They, they follow the leader blindly. And if the, the leader launches them off the cliff, the lemmings go off the cliff. And there are a lot of lemmings in California who never question. They never think, never look for the opposite side just to see what the opposite side has to say. They just park in one parking space. They believe everything they're told. They allow the mass media and the government to think for them. And they are lemmings. And and what happens when we have a state of lemmings? You know, let me uh, let me visit that for a moment. Aren't you glad you stopped by tonight? The encouraging stuff's coming up later. Don't don't worry. Uh, article written about uh, two months ago, September eighth, twenty twenty, by um, Leo Hanian of the Hoover Institution. It's called "California Businesses Leave the State by Thousands." By the way, did you hear? Uh, I think it was today or, or yesterday that. Um, the Hewlett-Packard Enterprises is moving to Texas. I guess they'll maintain a building uh, here, I think, in, in San Jose. But but HPE, the, the main brain trust, the main part of the corporation there is, is moving to Texas. All right, so let me segue into this article by Leo Hannian back on September 8th. Uh, Lee writes this, California businesses are leaving the state in droves. In just 2018 and 2019, economic boom years, 765 commercial facilities left California. 765. The exodus doesn't count. Charles Schwab's announcement to leave San Francisco next year, nor does it include the 13 estimated businesses to have left California between 2009 and 2016. I'm going to give you an insight into that from my experience. And and believe me, I only have a a small uh, sliver of this in terms of experience as a uh, president and CEO of a nonprofit corporation here in California. And I'm feeling it. And it certainly uh, is it's, it's felt, 10, 100 times over by small businesses. Well, let me go on. Uh, let me go on with, with this article. Uh, Lee writes, the, the reason economics, plain and simple, California is too expensive and its taxes and regulations are too high. The Tax Foundation ranks California 48th in terms of business climate. Uh, that's close to the bottom if You're keeping track of how many states we have. California is also ranked 48th in terms of regulatory burdens 
and California's cost of living is 50% higher than the national average. The Ohanian quotes Erica Douglas, no relation to me. Douglas is spelled differently, so there's no connection here. Erica Douglas, a young tech entrepreneur, moved her company, Whoosh Traffic, from San Diego to Austin, Texas, a few years ago. Here is what she had to say. Quote, Dear California, I'm leaving you. I've struggled with a government that is notoriously business unfriendly, with everything from high taxes on earning to badgering businesses to work more to comply with bureaucracy. I paid enough in California income tax in one year alone to hire another worker for my business, and you charge me uh, the $800 annually as a corporation fee when most states charge just a few dollars. Leo Hanian uh, goes on uh, to write this. Speaking of California entrepreneurs leaving the state, there is Paul Petrovich. If you live near Sacramento, chances are your life has been made easier by Paul. He is a major commercial real estate developer whose projects include facilities involving Costco, Target, Walmart, McDonald's, Wells Fargo, and Verizon, among other firms. But Petrovich has announced he will soon be leaving for, drumroll please, Texas. So the final paragraph here that I'll read, uh, Lee says, you see, California is discussing a wealth tax that may hit Petrovich, Known as AB2 uh, 2088, lawmakers are so proud of this uh, 0.4% tax on wealth that the, uh, they proudly market it as, quote, establishing a first-nation net worth tax that will generate $7.5 billion with a B in revenue. Complicated as all get out, it involves not just financial assets, but real estate, farmland, Offshore holdings, pensions, art, antiques, and other collectibles. Europe tried taxing wealth and has failed, leading almost all countries to abandon it. And the idea that it will generate $7.5 billion with a B in revenue is laughable, says Ohanian, though it will create additional income for tax attorneys and CPAs. And uh, the final sentence here I'll read is, the state also intends to make this law follow you for up to a decade should you leave. So if you leave California, their intent is that this law would follow you up for a decade while you're now a resident of another state. Clever politicians, maybe, but just how will they convince other states to cooperate once you relocate? Not to mention whether this future provision is constitutional. California businesses leave the state by thousands by Leo Hanian. So there you go. And, and, and as a uh, nonprofit president, CEO, I feel it. And, and we're only impacted by a lot of this uh, in, in, a, in, a, in a fairly superficial minor way. But the regulations are, are just out of control. And I have friends who are small business owners, and they are constantly being uh, the victims of, of overregulation. 
I know some of some of my more um, other minded friends and, and, and <laughs> I have friends that don't agree with me. But you see, we can still be friends. Isn't that amazing? Uh, some of them say, well, regulation is good. We have to have state regulation because businesses are evil. No, no, businesses are not evil. Businesses are not evil. Now, humans can be influenced by evil. That is for sure. But uh, to make this blanket statement that capitalism is is evil and then uh, roll into this age of popularizing socialism as a wonderful thing is a very scary proposition. And I'm going to get to that in just a moment because uh, some politicians and others are are using a, a little passage out of the chapter of Acts to try to justify socialism. And let me nip that in the bud uh, for you here in just a moment. I want to conclude uh, our our thoughts here about uh, what's what's coming down uh, in terms of restrictions for COVID-19 in California. I'm not going to give the, the gentleman's name because I don't want to make it about him. Uh, the man's doing his job, and I, I respect that. He's uh, Stanislaus County Public Health Educator, and he was on uh, Stan Emergency uh, yesterday on a message from the county. Uh, let me just play ab- about a minute of this and, and just listen very carefully. A main concern is hospitalizations, which follow the surge of cases by about two weeks. If our cases continue to increase at this rate, our hospitalizations will also increase, and hospitals and healthcare workers will be stretched to and beyond their capacity. This graph shows the modes of spread in Stanislaus County. 54% of people that test positive for COVID-19 report recently attending a gathering of friends or family. These small gatherings are believed to be the main cause of spread locally. This is why we ask that you please do not gather with people from different households. With so many cases spread throughout our communities, the risk of contracting the the virus has never been greater. That is why it has never been more important to stick to the behaviors that will keep you, your family, and your community safe. First, we all need to stay home as much as possible. This means limiting our trips into town, avoiding crowded spaces, and not gathering with friends or family. And not gathering with friends or family. Seriously? And it's been under attack for decades, the family unit. And here we are, my my county. Advocate, don't gather with family. Ah, bad. Bad, bad, bad. Bad family. The family is one of the institutions that God created to bless us as humanity. And I'm telling you, as the family goes, so goes our nation. And as we see the family attacked, as we see the family blown apart, as we see the family made fun of in uh, the entertainment venues, when we see good, wholesome dads attacked and made fun of when, when we see uh, independence and uh, getting rid of your spouse and being independent and, and this rights and that rights and, and splitting the, 
the, the, the God notion of family that he created, splitting that apart. We do see our neighborhoods declining. We see our cities declining. We see our culture declining. It's all, it all starts with that building block of a healthy family, which creates healthy neighborhoods, which create healthy uh, cities, which create healthy counties, which create healthy states, which create healthy nations. It starts with the family unit, and my county is saying, don't gather with your family. Another swig of coffee here. Hang on. Okay. On to the next thing. Again, I'm not criticizing the gentleman. I'm sure someone else helped him write that, but it just disturbs me that that's the position of my county, and certainly it's the position of the state. All right. Uh, I want to <laughs> I want to shift gears here just for a moment uh, before we close tonight. And I can't remember who the candidate was. It was not in California, but it was a candidate uh, elsewhere in, in a highly uh, influential race when it when it comes to uh, the national balance of, of power in, in Congress, uh, I believe. And uh, it showed a clip of this gentleman, and I'm sorry, I don't, re- don't remember his name. But he, like many others that I've heard recently, have used Acts 245 as a rationale for socialism, even the Bible socialism. Uh, let, let, let me set you straight, Mr. Whoever you were, and anyone who's using Acts 245 to, uh, to say that the Bible and God promote socialism, please. Hear me out. First of all, let, let me read uh, the couple of verses here, beginning in verse 41. Again, I'm not getting preachy here. I just want to hit the issue so you can hear it. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miracles, signs, and wonders. This is uh, on the day of Pentecost. Verse 44. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Well, see, there it is. Even the Bible promotes socialism. It wasn't socialism. Think now. Think carefully. What is missing here that is present in our current socialist movements? Think about it. But Pastor Mike, they they all pulled their stuff together and and they made a, a, a common a pile of it and, and then they sold even their property and their possessions and, and they and they shared it with those who were in need. Mm hmm. They did. What's the one missing element? See it going up out there. Yep, you're right. Government mandate. There was no government mandate. Zip. 
They did it voluntarily. And, and see, that's the issue here. There's a difference between us saying, you know, as a, as a believer, as a person of faith, I'm going to sacrifice some of what I have to help people in need. That is a voluntary act based upon, and I'm, I'm going to use myself as, as an example here. I'm going to speak for me. When I serve someone else or I provide them with something that they need, whether it be a service or, or, or goods, I am doing that because of my love of Christ. And I believe in his mandate, his command, to love your neighbor as yourself. And I believe that genuine serving involves some sort of sacrifice. It's voluntary. God doesn't make me do it. Jesus doesn't make me do it. No institutional church structure makes me do it. I, I, I do it voluntarily. And that's, that's what was happening at this point in Acts. The, the believers there were voluntarily exercising that agape love, voluntarily. What we're talking about now in today's situation is not voluntary. It's government mandate. The government will even it all out. The government will take and then distribute as the government see fits. There's nothing voluntary about it. There's nothing godly about it. There's nothing biblical about it. There's nothing even wise about it, nor common sense about it. We tried that early on in, in the colonization of America. William Bradford identified that as something that didn't work because there was no longer an impetus to excel. There was no impetus to share with others because it was already shared. And it created a miserable economy and miserable people. So, my friends, God is not a socialist. God is not a Marxist. There's a, and I won't read the whole thing. Let me just kind of paraphrase it for you. Here, here's another evidence of that. Uh, if you look uh, at a parable in Matthew 25, beginning in, in verse 14, and uh, it's called the parable of the talents, and that has that hasn't doesn't have anything to do with being talented. It has uh, to do with uh, silver, with, with uh, money. And so what happens is uh, the, the parable, the story, is about a man, that, a wealthy man, that goes on a long trip, and he gets his servants together, and uh, he entrusts his money to them. I in, uh, and, and listen to that word, entrusts. He entrusts his money to them while he's gone. So he gives five bags of, of silver to one, two bags of silver to another. And these are not little bags, by the way. These, these are some hot times uh, for, the, for the guy with five bags of silver. That's between 300 to 500 uh, pounds of, of weight. That's a, a lot of silver. So he gives five bags of silver uh, to one uh, servant, uh, two bags to another, one bag uh, to the last dividing it in proportion to their abilities. 
Notice that? Let me read that again. Dividing it in proportion to their abilities. So you see the, the, the wealthy man here, the, the master, observed what abilities each of these three servants had. And so he did not give them equal rations here. He gave them rations on the basis of the way they have proven to excel. So the first guy, because he's proven himself, gets five bags of silver. The second guy, maybe not quite as, uh, as accomplished as the first, he gets two. And the, the third one, obviously, maybe not real wise in his management of resources. He only gets uh, one bag of silver. So what happens? The, servant, uh, the, the servants go, and, and, uh, and uh, the first one with, with five bags invests his money, and, and he earns five bags more. The, the second servant with two bags, he, he goes to work, and he earned two more. So he, he earned two more bags. But, but see, the, the third servant, who had the one bag of silver, he, he digs a hole in the ground and he buries his master's money. Well, so a long time later, the master comes back and he calls these three servants in and asks them what they've done with his money. Now, remember, it is his money, not their money. Some people view this like, well, it's their money. They can do what they want with it. No, 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 no. It is not their money. It's the master's money. It's the boss's money that he entrusted to them to uh, invest wisely, to use wisely, to have a return upon his return. So the guy with the five bags of silver uh, comes forward. He says, look, he gave me five bags of silver, and I, I earned five more. And the master says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in, faithful in handling this small amount. I'll, I'll give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate. And so he uh, calls the uh, second servant who had two bags. He says, well, you gave me two bags to invest, and I've earned two more. He says, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount. I'm going to give you more responsibilities. Let's celebrate. And then the third guy comes up, and he says, listen, I, I, I know you're a harsh guy. I know you harvest crops you don't plant, and you gather crops you don't cultivate, and I was afraid. Now, notice that fear there. Notice how, how many government officials are trying to instill fear in us. It's a method of control. I'll talk about that in a moment. So I was afraid of you, so I hid the money under the earth. Here's your money back, and... Basically, the, the master lambasts him and, and casts him out. So the point of the, the story here is that God is not a socialist or a Marxist. He gives out resources and giftings, and he entrusts uh, resources to us based upon our track record. And not all, not all of us receive the, the same amount of giftings, not the same amount of, of resources to, to steward, to be stewards of. So this baloney about the Bible supporting socialism and God being a socialist and, and uh, a Marxist is just uh, ab, ab, absolutely incorrect. And so now if, if you're faced with that, you, uh, you have the ammunition uh, to to respond to that, 
All right. Uh, so there we are. From Governor Newsom to the parable of the talents to God is not a Marxist nor a socialist. Aren't you glad you stopped by tonight? I want to I want to say uh, one one thing more, and we've we've got a little message here I'd like you to hear before we close tonight. I, I've been ministering in, in vocational ministry now about no almost twenty five years I think, and I've watched people respond to government issues and social issues. And what I've found is that the principle of us not operating in fear if we are believers is a very important principle to remember. What does fear do? Keeps us captive. Keeps us under the control of him or those who are instilling the fear in us. It's a method of control, and government is really, really good at this. Remember, I spent some 20, 25 years in government, and good years. I enjoyed it. I served at the, the municipal uh, city level. I uh, served at the county level, served at the state level, and in federal and, and uh, international levels as well in uh, emergency response, and those were great years. I learned a lot, and I, I treasure those years, but I also saw how government works. And I've noticed that those who do not use power wisely tend to use fear as a method of control. I remember, and I won't say which office it was, I'll I'll just say it was, uh, I was in my uh, first year with with the state of California, and I had a boss, that um, supervisor that just was very insecure. And uh, I had a new opportunity come up that, that wound up opening up uh, just an incredible vista for me. Just a, a wonderful, wonderful time of my life. Anyway, uh, this supervisor uh, did not want me leaving under her control. And so she tried to instill fear in me, which was a, a fatal mistake because I was going to move anyway, but that was uh, kind of the last straw. And so I was more than happy to very politely say, no, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm taking this opportunity. By the way, another nugget of wisdom here I learned along the way is never burn a bridge, never burn bridges. You never know when God might want to use that bridge for you to cross again for his own kingdom work. Uh, So anyway, spending so much time in government, I I saw how uh, officials who hid behind their positions love to instill fear in others. And they are what I call the hoop keepers, the hoop keepers. And here's how hoop, hoop keepers work. They will tell you, and, and we see this happening, I believe at, Uh, some level of Sacramento of late. They will tell you, look, if if you jump through that hoop, we're going to get this. We're going to get through this together. It won't be your fault if you jump through that hoop. Okay. Well, I mean, we're, we're cooperative people. We want to be good citizens. We jump through the hoop. 
And so then we stand there and we look back for approval and, oh, that's what the, the head guy says, you know, that was a great hoop you jumped through. But there are even bigger challenges ahead. And that hoop was just the beginning. If you're a real citizen, you're going to jump through this hoop because we're facing something we have never faced before. And we must get through this together. So you jump through this next hoop. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of what you've done so far. You are great citizens, and we're doing this together, and we're going to get through this united. So jump through that hoop. So you jump through the hoop, and you look around, and they put another one in front of you. You know, that was great. Just so much appreciate the sacrifices you've made to jump through the hoops and all the work that you've done and the tremendous job that you have accomplished so far. So much appreciate you abiding by our regulations. But, you know, right now we are facing the toughest challenge we've faced yet, but we're going to get through it together. So here's the next hoop. And you jump through that because you don't want to be responsible for people dying. Jump through the hoop and there's another hoop and another hoop. And it's control. And thinking people realize they're being controlled. Unthinking people become lemmings. And they follow the leader off the cliff. And 13,000 businesses leave California. Hewlett Packard Enterprises leaves California. Businesses by the scores now are shutting down for good because of COVID-19 policy. Well, we've got to have lockdowns so we can go through this final lap. Look, Charlie, the lockdowns haven't worked thus far. Why are we still using them? If the masks work so well, how come we haven't defeated this virus yet? Because the masks don't kill it. Well, but the science says, well, whose science are we talking about? If you haven't noticed, there are competing sciences. If you've been listening... And it's worthwhile to consider what each has to say. That's that's why we need to be curious about people and even sciences we don't agree with. We need to listen because there may be nuggets of truth there. Being had, my friends, and I'm appalled at how many lemmings there are. No, we'll we'll just... We'll we'll follow you off the cliff. I'm not follow anyone off the cliff because God gave me a brain and he gave me principles to abide by. And uh, I'm not, I'm not throwing in with the lemmings. I'm sorry. All right. As we, uh, as we close tonight, one of the, the, the brighter things of this evening is uh, something very close to my heart, advancing vibrant communities. We call it AVC. Founded that uh, 18 years ago with some businessmen 
for the express purpose of getting believers and the church out of the four walls into the community to serve. Uh, in response to Christ's command to love your neighbor as yourself. And for 18 years, we've operated pretty much in the background, very quietly in humility. Uh, Many times other people and other organizations have taken credit for work that we've done, and that's fine, because what God has called us to do is to love your neighbor as yourself, not to put our name on it. And uh, so that's fine. Operating in the background, we think, is a, is a biblical thing to do. However, once in a while, you have to let people know about what you do. Because we can't make more widgets in order to fund this ministry. And it takes some dollars, most of which are gobbled up by government and insurance. But it does take dollars to run a nonprofit ministry. And the only dollars we accept are, are from individuals, uh, from organizations. We, we don't take government uh, funds, uh, with the rare exception that uh, government may buy some materials uh, to help us uh, build a ramp or to install some grab bars, that sort of thing. But in general, we don't take government grants because of the strings involved. We want our volunteers to be able to either uh, express their faith or not when they're serving someone else. We, we, we let that be a decision between them and God. So the point is the way we survive is by individuals like you, organizations that you belong to, local congregations, and uh, a, a very small number of foundations donating to advancing vibrant communities to allow us to do what we do, not once or twice a year, but 365 days a year. So here's uh, Mike's minute that we put out yesterday. And uh, let me, let me just share that with you very quickly. Hi, I'm Mike Douglas with Mike's minute or two in the midst of the COVID cacophonies and election dramas. We see people faithfully, quietly, humbly, serving others in the spirit of the great commandment to love your neighbor as yourself. And that's good to remember all year round. This is my once a year major effort to help fund the ministry God asked us to initiate over 18 years ago. It's called Advancing Vibrant Communities. Elderly and disabled people are being blessed with ramps and safety installations to help prevent fatal falls in their homes courtesy of servant hearts. The same applies to single moms and dads, families coming out of homelessness, and those grandmas who are doing what they can to raise their grandchildren on limited fixed incomes. Advancing vibrant communities, volunteers are there in each of those cases to provide necessities like appliances, kitchen cookware, and utensils, and things we take for granted like chairs, beds, and sofas. Well, that's what your contributions fund. And throughout this month, your contribution to advancing vibrant communities will be matched up to a total of $10,000 by an anonymous donor and an anonymous congregation. See, we don't do gimmicky fund development nor costly big events. I'm not criticizing them. It's just not what God has called us to do. 
For nearing 20 years now, we legitimize needs and the people behind them, and then we connect volunteers and servant hearts like you with those opportunities to love your neighbor as yourself. And that's what we started off doing at God's Direction almost two decades ago. That's what we do now, and that's what we'll be doing in the future, as long as folks like you catch the passion to help others and support us financially. That's it. That's my big fundraiser message for the year. Thank you for responding on behalf of those whom we serve, not just during the holidays, but 365 days a year, and mostly when nobody is even looking. For Mike's Minute or Two for Advancing Vibrant Communities, I'm Mike Douglas. And thank you for your consideration of that. Uh, again, uh, through the month of December, due to the uh, anonymous uh, blessing of uh, an anonymous donor and an anonymous congregation, uh, any funds that you contribute through the end of December uh, will be matched dollar for dollar up to a, a total of $10,000. And uh, we would so much uh, appreciate it if you would think about participating in that at, at whatever level you can. Uh, you can donate online on our website at vibrantcommunities.org. That's vibrantcommunities.org. Uh, or if you'd like more information and want to give us a call, the number is 209 209- Five four four nine five seven one. That's two zero nine five four four nine five seven one. Thanks again for joining us tonight. I appreciate your willingness just to sit down and to be able to share uh, my heart with you about what's happening. Uh, we'll look forward to seeing you next Thursday night at ten p.m. for Into the Night with Pastor Mike. I'm Mike Douglas. Thanks. Good night and God bless you.